Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Let me just say, we love hearing feedback. We've heard a lot of feedback from this past season. Thanks for the practical nature of what we're talking about, all the way down to meetings and schedule. And of course, we push into some harder topics. And today is one of those harder topics. Now, let me give a little bit of the background for Steve's story. Steve is an incredible leader, an incredible teacher. In fact, he was serving at Willow Creek under the leadership of Bill Hybels and was actually next in line to be their teaching pastor. Now, a series of things happened in the Willow Creek story. We're not going to belabor those here, but we'll just say it was a really hard season for the church, a very hard season for Steve and his family. And so that's a little bit of the backdrop when Steve talks about health and wholeness. He's not talking about something small. He's talking from the pain of his own story. And I love Steve's transparency here. He seeks to be both honest and honoring at the same time, but he shares some of the things beneath the things. Now, I love this conversation and is so closely aligned with our heart at Stay Forth because we have to pay attention to what's below the surface. Many times we're just paying attention to the things kind of tipping above the surface, but what's actually going on below it? He shares a story from his own life that honestly is kind of funny, but is one of those where we wonder what is going on below the surface. Now, friends, you know that we're not just a podcast here. We are a group of leaders that truly cares about your wholeness. And let me just tell you, if you think something is off, now is the time to seek some care, some guidance, some professional help even. Now, I've said this on the podcast. I'll continue to say it. We believe in counseling and therapy. I see a counselor every month. I don't know always what I'm going to talk about, but I'm so glad that I go see this counselor. I know many people are seeking professional help in this season. We want to encourage you deeply to continue to do that. Some of you need a coach. Some of you need somebody walking in your corner to try to make sense of why you are acting, behaving, maybe acting out in some of the ways that you are, and maybe you feel paralyzed about how to get from here to there on your leadership journey. We would encourage you to bring somebody else in absolutely, we need you to have community. We want you to have friends. We're cheering you on to get back into relationship with people that you know and love and know and love you. And I've been doing that several evenings over the past few weeks, just reconnecting with some people to make sure that I have people that I'm sharing authentically with my life. Now, however, there are opportunities for counseling and great spaces for that. There are opportunities for coaching and we want to make you aware of that at Stay Forth. We have an incredible team of coaches, and we believe that this fall is crucial. It has an inordinate impact on the next few years as we try to make sense of what's happening, as we try to make sense of life and what this looks like with the Delta variant and all the things that are confusing, what we can return to, what we must reinvent. And friends, if we just make surface changes this fall, that we are just going to see more of what we've had in the past. COVID's been the great revealer of our idols, of our poor rhythms, of things that we're stuck in, and also of some of the things that deeply matter to us. And I want to encourage you, pay attention to what you pay attention to during this time. We are here to help you along as guides in your leadership journey. You, we are mountain guides for the leadership journey. And so as you climb that peak, that can be very dangerous. That is leadership. That can come with perils along the way. Please invite somebody else into your journey. 
This conversation with Steve is good and I believe can yield many, many more fruitful conversations outside of this. And that's always the goal for us. We don't want you to just absorb content, just take in this speaker, teacher, thought leader as incredible of the leaders are that we get on here. We want you to internalize this. We want you to have a conversation with somebody else. And we want you to say, what is the thing beneath the thing in my life? So tune in, have a real conversation with yourself. Maybe take some notes, maybe go on a walk and ask yourself, what is going on below the surface of my life in leadership? Enjoy this conversation with Steve Carter. Well, Steve, welcome to the podcast, my man. Hey, thanks so much, man. It's It's been a while since we hung out. Was it last time in Colorado? We were together as this here pandemic was breaking, uh, praying over each other, hugging each other, I think, maybe sharing each other's foods. I'm pretty sure that was a super spreader event. Oh, my goodness. I think I, I did not get it that week, but I think like 35 of the 55 guys got it. You were one of them. I got I got the three day situation. We didn't know what was happening at that point, but man, I was more than just worn out after those few days. That was a wild experience. I've talked with Brad Lominick and several of the other leaders about how time just kind of slowed down. We're like, what is happening? I think you went in the midst of the pandemic and played some basketball, if I can remember. Yes, yes. I I just had I I tried to spend as much time as I could outside. I like and because all, a lot of those guys were all pastors and they were all like brainstorming like how what's happening with Sunday service, and I was out of a job, so like I was like I don't I don't know I'm gonna go shoot hoops I guess. So I'm on vacation right now. That'll preach somehow, yeah. right? Shooting hoops in the midst of the pandemic. All right, that's gonna be your next book. In the midst of of that, I love those gatherings. I know you're part of for, of those gatherings. Share a little bit before we get started, kind of your story in the book, share why some of the smaller gatherings um, you've chosen to be part of, and, and there's such life and such pop there. Yeah, we, you know, I mean, leadership can be lonely. And for many of us, we, we've we just kind of put our head down and we're working and we're pastoring and we're leading. And, you know, we're going from email to email, meeting to meeting, sermon to sermon, kind of you know, donor to donor, strategic meeting to strategic meeting. I mean, it's just, there's so much. And sometimes you just need to have that space where you can exhale and you can be reminded about why you're in this in the first place. And the brothers and sisters that are around you who are in it with you that you can call when it's hard, you can call when you need some prayer, you just call when you need some encouragement. And so, um, I don't know, Maybe five years ago, I got invited to an event. It was called Young Guns and Brad Lominick and Josh Turner, just dear friends, like we're putting it on. And and I just uh I felt like it it was something that I didn't have the time for, but I knew my soul needed. Mm. And and then when everything hit the fan, I needed those guys more than I thought I ever would. And they have been kind and gracious and faithful. And uh yeah, so it's 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 just a a place, and there's a few of these that I have in my life right now, just of uh, cohorts or gatherings where you just know um, whether you are walking in the desert or whether you feel like you're in the promised land, um, you just need people to to walk with you and remind you of who you are and whose you are. Yeah, so good. If you're listening to this, you need people. And <laughs> you're lonely because you're a human. We've been through just a lonely and isolating season. And kind of part of what we do here, Steve, at Stay Forth, we talk a lot about loneliness is that it's common to man, it's common to humankind 
um, to feel that feeling of loneliness. Yet isolation, we are trying to demonize isolation as we cannot go there as leaders. We can't use that sort of feeling of loneliness to be that excuse, that posture of intentional loneliness. Nobody will understand because of that. Um, you've you've had your share of hard seasons, uh, one of those being um, exiting your time at Willow. And instead of talking about the situation um, of Willow, I'd love to hear, Steve, how did you come face to face with your pain after that season? Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, the 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 season of willow was the best of times and the worst of times i mean it was um you know as charles dickens as it gets i mean i i feel like i found my sound i felt like i was given immense opportunities i fell in love with the city and the congregation and the community and um yeah i felt really really blessed and used and i also experienced uh betrayal and i experienced um kind of a, the side of church that um I don't believe is everywhere, um, but I think it's it's also uh, something that is within us all to self-preserve and self-protect and and to kind of hide and 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 really really not have to come full face with our humanity and and our brokenness. And so, would I when I stepped out of Willow, um, and for me, my exit was, um, one of the most painful decisions I've ever made. I loved that place. Um, I'm not even saying that I exited in the right way, but I, I just felt like for integrity's sake, I needed to step out, um, to bring attention to what I felt was bad process, um, was a, a hiding of the truth and some stuff needed to happen. But I'll tell you what, we we live so close to Willow and I'd find myself like going to Starbucks and I'll never forget going with my son and uh, someone just just went off on me in front of my son. And you're wow. a coward. You abandoned us. And um, wow. and it and that that was hard, you know, and it's hard when when your your son's looking at you and, you know, a couple of days later after he's processed it and you know, he's 10 at the time and. And he's saying, hey, dad, you always taught me that um, if you do the right thing, you'll be rewarded. So I'm just confused. Either you didn't do the right thing um, or you weren't telling me the truth that when you do the right thing, you'll you'll get rewarded or it's something else that I don't. And you're understand. like, I'm confused, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I, I, I mean, I, and it was, it was beautiful because my son has from my wife has high EQ, but like he, he was asking an honest question that I think for many of us leaders, like, you know, you, you do the harder, right. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be favorable. You know, it, it, you do the harder, right. Doesn't mean that it's, it's actually going to lead to better things right in that moment. Um, and so I, I had to tell him, I said, hey, when mom was pregnant with Mercy, our daughter, she was sick every day, throwing up multiple times a day. And I promise you, during, the, during that moment, it didn't make sense until she held Mercy. And, and I promise you, there's going to be a moment where we will be able to, to hold our version of Mercy, and this season will all make sense. But right now, it's just hard. And I think the hard part of the season was literally untangling. And, and this is, this is the hard part about grief is that you, you have to untangle, Hey, what they said, was that true? Or was that a lie? Hey, what they said about me and my gifting, was that true? 
or is that a lie? Wow. And and all of a sudden, in the untangling, everything that you had built a relationship on trust, whether with a board or trust with coworkers or trust with a mentor, all of that, as you start to untangle, it, it, it just feels like there is a trust vacuum. There, there it is void. And so then you get into other relationships and someone says something that's very similar to how one of those other people said it. And you're like, wait, 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 that is, that's triggering because it, it's, it, it's reminding me of what this person said. And now I gotta, I gotta see you as something different. And so for me, we actually left Chicago. We moved to the desert. I, I found myself just reading the desert mothers and fathers and really beginning to dive into kind of what does it mean to walk in this deserted or forsaken place? What does it mean to walk in this like holy untangling and actually allow God to put you back together? And that's, that has been this season. Um, Again, holding on to the good of what I learned from my alma mater. That's what I refer to Willow as now an alma mater and um, the broken parts too. And, and both can be true. And, and so that's, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's been, it's been the best of days and it's been the worst of days. Tension, right. Holding both of those in tension. I'm curious, how has the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast hit you personally? Yeah. You know, that's fascinating. I was in the Raleigh airport and I was listening to episode two and you know, the first one, the first one I heard, listened to, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is wow. That, I mean, just the, the, the quality of it, the, the song, the, the way, I mean, it felt like serial for so spiritual well leaders. Like, yeah. Cosper. Oh, so well yeah. documented. Oof. Yeah. And Cosper did a great, has done a great job with it. I felt like, and then episode two, I'm kind of like sitting at the airport, eyes closed, listening. And all of a sudden I hear, you know, Heibel's voice. This is the first time I've heard his voice in four years. Mm. And I was like, I remember just like, I know the voice. I know the voice. We, we, and it, it like, and I, I forgot I was like listening to the podcast. And then it was like, oh my goodness. Like he's, he's talking about Willow right now. And, and then it's like, all of a sudden this rush of cortisol, what's he going to say? What's this going to be? You know, all of that starts wow. just coming to the surface. Um, and I, and I think, you know, again, uh, some, some Tyson, John Tyson had tweeted something out, you know, about failure porn, like something about how I think we, we get really excited about a leader's failures. And, and, and I, I don't feel like that's Cosper's intent. I think he's really asking conversations that are really, really important that I think, man, and I think some people are going to just choose to see it and just go after, you know, the celebrity who, who fell. But I think it's, it's, it's really forced bigger questions that we have to address. We have to look at. And, you know, part of it is just on the, I know it's important to you, Alan, just in the health the wholeness, the, the longevity, the finishing the race. Um, like, are we going to be those kinds of leaders, those kinds of shepherds, those kinds of pastors? Um, and, and I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's been an important work that I think CT and Cosper has done. Um, but it's, it's, it's a revealing, which I think the last 18 months of COVID have been, it's been a great revealer. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So much more to talk about here. Just skimming the surface a little bit, but man, I uh, want to dive deep on your book, The Thing Beneath the Thing. Where did this book start, Steve? 
Yeah. You know, it started in 2008. I was leaving my grandparents' house and um, I was driving home. We lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I was a pastor um, at a church there, but we had just said yes to um, go to Southern California to be at Rock Harbor. And so I'd spent a couple of weeks saying goodbye. And this was like the last time I was leaving my grandparents' house. And and I, I end up just having this encounter driving home. It's snowing. My wife's in the front seat. My son, who's nine months at the time, is behind me. And as we're driving, uh, something hits my car and it becomes, it's like this massive chunk of ice. And I realize like somebody threw that at me mm. and I end up flipping the car around and I pull over and I leave my wife and nine month old on a snowstorm and begin to chase after some people who I think threw this chunk of ice at me in a field. And I sh- like long story st- short, like I lose my ever loving mind and like, I'm screaming, I'm going to find you. I called 911. Like, I, I mean, it would have been viral of all viral videos of someone. And I, I finally like run to the suburban neighborhood and I see this garage door go down and I realize somebody ran through it and I knock on the door and an older gentleman comes and I just say, Hey, someone just run through your garage and I'm out of breath. And, and he's like, Oh, my grandson and his friend just did. And I was like, awesome. Can I have a word with him? So he's like, sure. He closes the door. And it's just like in this moment, the spirit like prompts me, like, who's the crazy one? Like, What's going on? And I just, I realized like as a middle school pastor right now, I'm about to lose my mind on some, some like students and the door opens and it's two sixth graders. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I just look at them and I say, nice shot. And I walk away. And it's like in this moment, I'm like, what was going on? And I was, I was sad to leave Grand Rapids. I was sad to leave my grandparents. I was sad to leave a church I loved. I was tired and exhausted from saying goodbye to all of these students and leaders and people I just adored and respected. My dad had leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt guilty for leaving. And driving over to my grandparents' house, the people who had said they were going to purchase our house had backed out last minute. And I felt afraid. And all of a sudden, these two sixth graders gave me permission to lose my ever-loving mind. And I, I, I called my mentor the next day, and I just told him what happened, and he just started laughing. And he just said, welcome to the thing beneath the thing, the endless discovery of what's really going on. And that just hit me. The phrase, the thing beneath the thing hit me. And it kind of became something from, you know, 2008 on. I just started to realize like, oh, there's something underneath this. What's the thing beneath this? What's the thing beneath this argument? What's the thing beneath this feeling? What's the thing beneath the thing? And then probably maybe three or four years after that, one day I was just just continuing to really wrestle with why people do what they do. Uh, you know, Paul writes in Romans 7.15, I do not understand what I do. The good I want to do, I just don't do. The thing I hate, I do. And I realized that thing was actually this acronym. And I just began to start writing that down and realizing, oh, I think this is why people do what they do. And I just began to test it on people and began to write messages about it, began to like pastor and talk with counselors and theologians and people I respected about it. And it just seemed to start to have resonance to help people understand a little bit more clearly why they do what they do and what the Bible teaches us to do about it. Well, I'm essentially in the behavior change space, right? Like literally we're talking about life change, 
on a leadership basis. We're talking about organizational and team change on a consulting basis. And man, it is so hard for people to even understand why they did what they did, let alone how do we get to where we want to go. And so I love these five here. And I want you to just kind of tease out these five underneath thing. Talk about triggers first. Yeah. Uh, what are they and what role do they play in these moments? So, you know, spending, you know, seven years in Chicago um, and growing up as a, as a West Coast kid, you know, there's a little surfboard behind me. And, you know, I, I grew up near the water. And so I, I knew nothing about potholes. And so what I came to realize is that in the city of Chicago, there are hundreds of thousands of potholes. They're constantly just just fixing them and filling them in. And what I came to realize is that like if a pothole isn't dealt with properly, because sometimes it's caused by inclement weather, but sometimes there's something that's underneath the surface that's happening. And it, it, it could be erosion. It could be some leaky pipe or something that's causing this crater. And if they don't deal with that, a pothole can become a sinkhole. And what I came to realize is that we all have these potholes. The potholes are from past trauma, past abuse, whether verbal, emotional, spiritual, physical, sexual. We have, we have these experiences where key people in our life let us down or spoke a lie from the pit of hell into our life. And then what ends up happening is all of these potholes we don't know how to deal with. Like we know how to manage them, but we don't necessarily know how to deal with them. And then somebody gets close to one of our potholes, whether in tone, whether in, you know, for me, one of, one of my potholes, because I grew up in a home that I felt like my identity was deeply connected to my ability to perform. And if I performed well, then I felt like I received love. Now, I could have perceived that and interpreted that wrong, but that was my kind of reality I felt as a child. So I say this, like, I don't, I don't like to be surprised. And so when all of a sudden somebody is like, Hey, Steve, you, you're probably good at this. Can you, you just go do this? I, I, all of a sudden I feel like, Oh man, if I, if I don't, if I don't do this well, like I, I, I'm not going to get love. I'm going to fail them. And then, and again, this person who's asking me to do this, has no idea that they are stepping on potholes from 32 years ago, but it's triggering all of these like inner child interferes within me. So the triggers are the setup that sets us off. And every day we're being triggered. We're being triggered online. Every day we're being triggered in meetings. Every day we are being triggered when we're dealing with real people. And the truth is all of that, like our bodies, we get like, when someone triggers us, all of like that cortisol, that negative like um, reminders, emotions and energies, they start rushing through our body and they need a release. They need an outlet. And so the first place that I found that most people go are to hideouts. And the hideouts are the metaphorical places we go to escape our stories. And, you know, my counselor, Jim Crest, he says that, you know, if you, if you get hysterical, it's most likely historical. So you, you find yourself getting hysterical about something, it's most likely historical. So that's, there's the trigger there. But now you've just found some place to transfer that hysteria onto. And it's, we all have these, you know, Tim Keller language, counterfeit gods, these golden calves. And it could be socially acceptable like work, or it could be so, socially unacceptable like crystal meth. But we're, we're actually transferring that anxiety, those energies, the past trauma, onto that and saying, will you make me okay? And John Norberg language, like, 
drinking like will give you a fleeting sense of peace, but it won't make you a person of peace. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is when I get triggered, where do I go? Better said is you do what you want to do. The question is, why did you want that? And I wanted it because I wanted to escape what I was feeling and I wanted to be okay. Um, The second place that many of us go is to insecurities. And that's just, you get triggered and all of a sudden you create a false story about yourself. And this is what a lot of leaders do. All, All of a sudden they get one email or they get a text message that's like, hey, Alan, can we go for a walk tomorrow? Like, you have no idea. They're leaving the no church. No idea. Taking their money. Yes, ex- they hate me. Exactly. Exactly. And all of a sudden, what do you do? You just you just start playing small. It's all insecurities. And it's all connected to these old tapes. But like, they're going to leave. They're going to bail. And you can't shut it off. And so I think what I've found is that in insecurity, many of us either play it small and power down. But also, I've seen it up close where leaders power up and they, they feel like they're losing the, the, the meeting. And so they're scared. and They don't know how to address that they don't know the right answer and they don't know how to ask for help. So what do they do? You're wrong. And they start getting verbally abusive and they put everybody else on their heels and they power up. It's just insecurity. Um, the third place that people go when they get triggered is the narratives. And this is where they don't create false stories about themselves. They create false stories about others. And we see this on social media. We see this on talk radio, people making billions of dollars on this every single day, just trying to help us find what divides us rather than what unites us. But the but I discovered that I had a very, very small understanding of grace. Um, that grace was just kind of almost this get out of hell free card by saying yes to Christ. But then as I started really studying, I realized like, oh my goodness, there there is a stage of grace that we often don't talk about it. And Wesley, John Wesley talked about it. He called it sanctifying grace. And that was this spiritual process, God's power at work in us that makes us whole, holy and spiritually healthy. And so it really begins to go after those potholes so they don't become sinkholes. It goes after those pain points. It goes after those, those places in our story that, man, if we don't have the courage to address, they can take us out. And so the, the book is really helping you identify what triggers you and where you go and what grace has to do about it. Mm, man, so, so good. So Steve, what do you hope to hear from somebody's lips when they pull you aside and say, man, I read your book. What do you hope they say? Well, you know, deep down, I think, I think the, the biggest compliments for me has come my husband and I, or my wife and I, we were having a conversation and it, 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 it turned into an argument and we thought it was about this. And then we realized it was actually about something far deeper. And, and then really just beginning to give people tools in a really accessible way to help them identify. Cause again, um, if, if anytime we re- react, we're just reenacting the past. And, and until we can actually like learn to or, or, or almost be called in and called up so that we can actually like respond in a healthier and holier and, and more kind of whole way. Um, and that's, that's what Greats invites us into. And so what's been fun is beginning to get the reports for people going, I didn't know that was my thing. Or I didn't know that was what I was using to, to, to tell me I was good or okay. But again, it's just all these counterfeits. 
And I think the more that we can be aware of it, the more that we can allow grace to do what grace wants to do. So that's, that's it is I think helping people get, become more self-aware and help them understand that becoming whole is actually possible. And you do this so well, you do this, you know, what you guys are doing is in, in the, in the leadership side space is, is really helping leaders identify why they do what they do, but how to actually make healthier changes. Um, and for me, that's just looking at the trauma from the past and inviting God's good grace into the conversation. We both share this common heart to see leaders become whole. Again, you've said it four or five times in this interview, describe a whole leader to me. A whole leader, in my opinion, um, has integrity. So, you know, if you think about integrity, um, there's someone who has character. There's someone who can clearly identify their values. And in the 1900s, my biological father, his dad, um, was a multi-star general, is buried at West Point. Uh, But in the early 1900s, they, they, at West Point, they started something called the Cadet's Prayer. And all of these cadets had to memorize a prayer. And it happens all the way up to today. And there's a line in that prayer that says, we will be committed to the harder right over the lesser wrong. Mm. You just think just that one line. So good. If I think, of, if I think about a whole leader, someone who's like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm committed to the harder right, but that you can clearly articulate the values of a harder right. And you go, that's, that's it. That's more crucial. So in this moment, I have to say something. In this moment, I can stay silent. In this moment, I have to extend grace. In this moment, I need to speak truth because you understand the harder right. And I think when you're fractured, the, the, and here's the truth, you will live with integrity to where you find your identity. So if your identity is founded in a fractured place, people-pleasing, performance, uh, you know, being perfect, uh, having power, holding on to power, scarcity of power. You're going to live with integrity to that. But when you actually have the, an understanding of who you are, whose you are, you are loved, you are good. All of a sudden, then you can take on the values of the one who gave you that reality of your, where your identity comes from. And so that, that for me is just a whole leader is just someone who's doing the work and has uh, clearly stated values that help them identify how to live and how to live out the harder right in a world that's filled, chock full of lesser wrongs. Mm. We're a huge fan of questions here, questions that have the ability to unearth and dig deeper below the surface. Uh, one of those, what's the harder right right now would be a great question. Steve, give us a couple more questions leaders can be thinking about right now to really uncover what's going on below the surface. Yeah, you know, so I'm really practice oriented. It's probably because, you know, I I was an athlete that played basketball in college. Play is probably not the right word. I sat at the bench. I mean, obviously, shoes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen I've seen you with your uh, Michigan shorts on heading toward I mean, come on. To yes, dominate. You know. <laughs> um, but you know, Proverbs 4:23 says, above all else, guard your heart. The word guard in Hebrew is the word Nassar. And it literally, I mean, it's like Patrick Beverly. I mean, it's like defensively like minded guarding Lee what matters most. Children have been stolen guard. It's, yes, Come on. that's right. That's right. You know, um, and, uh, and it's because everything flows from it is the second part of that verse. And so for me, one of the, the, the practices that I do typically on a Sunday night or Monday morning is I play it back. 
And, and I, I ask myself, um, where in the last week did I not guard my heart? Mm. And I, and I just almost like spend a moment and I, I don't, I don't dwell on what I did. I dwell on the thing beneath the thing. What got me there? Like, what, was I tired? Was I frustrated? What I, was there, was there a meeting that I walked out of that just like it, I didn't create enough space, but I play it back. And, and after I kind of get to the thing beneath the thing there, I then look ahead at my next week and I play it out. And I just imagine myself, I'm probably going to be in a situation where I'm hungry or I'm tired. I had a difficult conversation with, you know, an, uh, an employee or somebody. I, I, I'm going to just imagine myself in a similar situation. But now I'm going to imagine like Jesus beside me and almost like in a Coach K, you know, Coach Popovich kind of way, just saying, hey, what's the better way? What's the better way? How are you going to play this now? Knowing what you know, you've watched the game tape. How are you going to play this? And, and I just kind of say, okay, I, I know coming out of that meeting, I'm going to need like 10 minutes. I don't need to get on that phone call right away. I'm just going to take a walk. I'm going to go to the gym or, you know what, I, I, I'm going to do this. And I just almost, it's like, again, watching the game tape and choosing to make a, a healthier decision. And then mm. um, second thing is I, I do is um, I play it smart. And if, if everything flows from my heart, I ask myself, how am I going to refill my heart? If everything comes from it, how, how am I taking care of my heart? And so for me, it's like, is there something I need to do that's going to be uh, something that's going to encourage me like creatively or in a healthy way of just like, I got to go for a hike or I haven't spent enough time in God's word or I haven't had a good conversation with my guys. Then I got to go ahead and spend time or I haven't had a great date night lately, but what's going to refill my heart. And then, then lastly is, it's just more of a commitment that I'm going to play it honest. Um, and that's just me declaring, Hey, if someone asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to show up in an honest and human way. I'm going to be really honest and say, this is where I'm at. And I'm no, none of this, like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm like, okay. Like, no, I'm frustrated. Like, I feel really sad. Like, I, I feel disappointed. I had some expectations for this season and that are truly getting unmet. And I'm just frustrated. Uh, or I need help. And just choosing to recognize that my feelings have movements, where they call it emotions. And if I'm not honest with those emotions, they will lead me into hideouts or insecurities or false narratives of others instead of leading me towards a place of wholeness and health. It's interesting. Every leader that I talk to, um, me included, we want to grow in self-awareness and there's this gap. How do we actually do that? Right? Like no leader ever is like, I have some massive self-awareness gaps. You know, I'm trying to work on now, right? Like others made us aware of those, but I actually see here some practical ways to grow in self-awareness, you know, feed forward instead of just feedback moving from reactive. We talk about to proactive. Okay. I'm going to walk in there again. Like I literally, I didn't chase a kid down in, you know, a, uh, an ice storm in Grand Rapids, but I've had those moments where I'm like, dude, like I left a review the other day for a place and I look back and go, why did I do that? And I think about it and I was, uh, hungry, angry. So straight up hangry, lonely and tired. It had been one of those kind of disconnected family weeks of the busyness and tired and I got my kid to this event they wanted to go to. I had it in my mind and they didn't have the food queued up that we thought, right? Like the littlest of things. And so I'm going to go rip them a new one, leave a review on there. And I go, what am I doing? Like, that's not that big of a deal. But it was one of those where I went, how did I get here where I felt like that's it? I'm going to bring out my phone 
And these poor employees, these three employees trying to take care of the whole place, of course they can't, you know, that's been really helpful for me. I've actually been doing a lot of similar things in the season, Steve, and it's been um, ugly, hard, good, and really helpful. Uh, all of those things, holding an intention. Well, I think that's the, I think it's a really beautiful work. I mean, because, you know, again, the, until we can get these ideas into a place that I feel like are practical and applicable, they just stay ideas, you know? And, and I think, you know, essentials of spiritual formation are curiosity. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Humility. Am I actually able to look at myself in a healthy and true and real way and gratitude? I can, I can make change. Like I, I have so much. And, and so I think for me, it's constantly coming back to, am I staying, am I curious or am I defensive? Am I humble or am I like, I don't need this. Am I grateful or am I envious? And the more that I can just keep staying in a curious, humble, grateful spot, I feel like that's the stuff that God does the best work with. It's the right soil for the, the fruit of the spirit to grow. So I, I I'm with you, man. I think it's, it, it is, it is, uh, at 41, I thought I would be farther along, um, that I am, Didn't we all? Um, but yeah, but I think it's, it's actually been really, really fun and, and human to go. I got a long way to go. I don't know if you ever seen Ruth Bell Graham's tombstone. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, it says her name says the date of birth date she passes. And then underneath it, it says, end of construction. Thanks for your patience, which wow. I think is just genius, you know, because so good. she's a piece of work and so are we. So good, man. Last question. We could talk for hours. We better not today. Um, there's a lot of tired leaders and overwhelmed leaders just carrying a lot. The change, the complexity, change fatigue is upon us again in the fall on the rise, never been fuller for coaching, you know, and the complexities that we, that we have, Give a couple of fresh drops of water here to some leaders that are overwhelmed, that are tired, that feel like, man, I can't do another fall with all these changes again. What would you say? Well, I would say you are, you have every right to be weary. I mean, none of this was trained in us uh, in the 90s or early 2000s or in the last five years. No, nobody, nobody could have prepared us for what we were experiencing. So, so you have every right to be weary, but I would just say this, um, focus on what you can focus on, you know, and, and part of it is for me, I, I think the privilege of, and it's privilege, like to, to have had some experiences, um, you know, being in Rwanda a few years after the genocide or being in, um, some countries where, Rwanda being one of them, uh, Burundi, uh, Congo, um, when you saw the AIDS pandemic breaking out and people were waking up each day and they were just digging graves. And I, I just, I remember walking up to one of these leaders and just saying, man, how, how do you build a volunteer team mm. to dig graves? And the guy just said, it's hard. Mm. you know, and, and all we say is we're going to do the best we can with what we have and trust that God will take care of the rest. Very cliche, mm. very trite. But I think I, I, I think I've seen like, what can I control today? Like I can't, I can't control what someone's going to type about me on Twitter. I can't, I can't control what this person's going to do in the pol in politics or what this senator is going to stay or this person, in my congregation is going to do. So I break it down to a mathematical formula. Um, Jack Canfield taught um, E plus R equals O. 
the events plus response equals outcome. And I, I can't control the events, but how I choose to respond will directly impact the outcome. And, and so I just go, here are the places that I'm going to choose to respond. And I'm going to focus on that. And I'm going to attack that with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And that, that's Jim Harbaugh quote. But like, I'm going to take that and I'm going to go after those three or four areas. And because that's, that's, that's in my yard. That's what I can do about it. And I think in that, um, it's been helpful for me. Am I solving all the world's problems? I'm not. I wish I, I wish I could solve more problems but I'm actually taking care of what's most crucial and what has been entrusted to me. So if it feels too big, you're right. But focus on what you can for right now. Create short wins, you know, atomic habits, 2% gains. The minimal gains over time are going to be the lasting gains that are going to be massive. Um, but don't grow weary in doing good, as Paul writes in Galatians 6. Like, I'm telling you, there's redemptive potential here. Don't give up. Keep going. And keep finding great leaders like Alan and others that just can pour into you and remind you, you have something to offer, even in the midst of right here and right now. Mm. Steve, so good, man. So helpful. A timely book that God placed in you on that cold night in Michigan. I'm so grateful. Thanks for carrying it to completion. Grateful for you, man. And uh, just for folks connecting uh, to this message all over, if you're watching this on Right Side of Community, Let's start a discussion thread. If anybody has read Steve's book so far, if not, it's my next to be picking up um, here. Well, I say next, it's probably three deep, but I'm looking forward to picking it up in the next season, whenever that may be. I'd love to kind of start a discussion thread over there with that. Steve, so grateful for you, man, and how you continue to just push forward. I deeply appreciate and respect the integrity by which you choose to live your life. Keep leading, my man. Thanks so much, bro. The love is mutual, man. Talk soon, man.